0: I just want you to know that Debbie is sitting in the back, and Debbie and I are just so humbled uh, to have the privilege of getting come back to this family of faith, to this body of believers. And, uh, you know, there's new faces, praise God, but there's some good old ones, too. Uh, and I'm in that crowd. And uh, I spoke to the youth today, and you realize I came here in 1994 before most of those kids were born. Uh, I came here in 1994 and served here for over nine years. Uh, Debbie and I left to continue our journey in June of 2004. And uh, our years here at First Methodist Church, Carrollton, were just incredible, powerful years. And God sowed so much into our lives and our hearts through the love of this congregation. And uh, if you know me, I'm a storyteller. And with every person I see, there's just all these stories. So you got to pray for me while I'm preaching today. And, uh. Just so blessed, so blessed uh, to be here this morning. And the reason why I'm here is to bring the Word of God, and then I hope that we can move into a brief time of ministering in His presence. And so, uh, lest I go into stories, I'm going to preach the Word, amen? Amen. Uh, In the Gospel of Matthew, the 28th chapter, are verses with which I believe we're all familiar, it's the Great Commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. I want you to know in your bulletin, there's a handout, uh, a sermon outline. Uh, I find that sometimes it helps to have that. Uh, It helps me to have that. So when I get off on a story, I can get back and, you know, you might say, hey, help him, Jesus. You know, uh, I always say when I'm preaching that one of the things to do is like uh, Tony Campolo had the opportunity to preach in a congregation where they gave verbal support to the pastor. And he said, you know, when you're really preaching good, they say, amen, you know, amen. Or if you're really preaching good, preach it, brother, preach it good. You know, and then then like if you're struggling, they'll go help him, Jesus, help him, Jesus. And uh, most of the time for me, I live over in that help him, Jesus side. So, you know, feel free today. You know, you bless me if it gets to the amen part, but I definitely understand the help him Jesus part. uh, So preaching to the choir, so y'all help me out, pray for me, keep me covered, okay? Uh, So we just covered Matthew 28, the Great Commission, but but tied to that too would be Acts 1-8, which says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus gives the disciples what we would call the Great Commission. But I also believe that that it's the purpose of the church. It's what the church is called to do. We are to make disciples. And to me, that means we're to be disciples who make disciples. And and that we can never forget that purpose, that calling. Okay, then in Acts 1.8, we could spend some time about you shall receive power. Uh, I love Luke 4 that it says Jesus was filled with the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. Then in Luke 4 14, it says he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then in Luke 4 18, Jesus declares his ministry. And, and that's a whole other teaching, a whole other sermon. But this ties to that because Jesus tells the disciples that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. But then he gives them a strategy uh, for achieving the Great Commission. Jesus, Jesus basically tells the disciples to work in Jerusalem, their home base. And then out from Jerusalem to Judea, and then to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. So for here at First United Methodist Church Carrollton, and one of the things that's so interesting for me today, after being at Carrollton, I went two years to a little church called Summerfield. That's its own story. Then God called me to go to this church called Crossroads. And for the nine years at Crossroads, I always had to discipline myself never to say Carrollton because, like, if it starts with C, that's the word I'm going to use. And so for nine years, I was in training. Don't say cross, don't say Carrollton, say crossroads. So now today I'm here trying to say Carrollton instead of crossroads. So if I ever say crossroads, just know I'm talking about Carrollton. Okay. Like help, help me on that. Uh, man, I always knew if God could use Balaam's donkey, he could use me. So the man, I take great hope in that. So, so here at Carrollton, you know, the strategy to remember is that Carrollton in the Dallas area and then on to other places in Texas and then to other places in the United States. And one of the things that's wild to me, even as I say this, is how much of the fruit from this church is in ministry in other places in Texas and in other places in the United States. And so this church is fulfilling these words. Even as we speak, there's people in ministry today in Texas and in the United States and and at other places, even in the world and onto the ends of the earth. So it's important that we have a strategy and that's that's to know, like to be intentional. It would be good. It would be good for you to know who are the people in Texas from this church that are ministering in Texas so that we pray for them. Who are the people from this church that are in the United States that, that, that like are in faithful ministry uh, of the gospel and that we pray for them and who are the people that we are sending you know, to the ends of the earth and so that we pray for them in their ministry. So it's important to have a strategy, and Acts 1-8 helps us to have one. But then it's also important to have a method, okay, and to be very intentional in our method. method. So here at First United Methodist Church, Carrollton, what is the method for making disciples? Okay, here at First United Methodist Church Carrollton, what is the method for making disciples? I would hope that every person here today that's a member of First Methodist Church Carrollton, you know what the method of discipleship is. Because what's the church called to do? Make disciples. Okay, we're called to make disciples. So, what is our method? making disciples, and that you know very specifically what the method is, and that I would hope even that you know your place in that method, that that you know your place in that method. Here's something I believe, okay? Overall, the church in North America, overall, the church in North America, is it making disciples or is it making church members? I want to tell you, I think. I think just within the church... In North America, it's pretty well designed to make church members. Because church members sustain the institution. And, and, and fortunately, God is strongly committed to his purpose of making disciples. And in most churches, you can go in any church almost in the United States and you'll see something about making disciples on the wall. But then you want to ask, what is your method? For making disciples. I think it's so interesting that Jesus gave us the strategy. But he wanted us to live in relationship with him. As we work out the methods. Or we would just be running around doing a method. Because everything about God is about relationship. And that's one of the key parts of his method of making discipleship. It's going to involve relationship. That's why Jesus had to lead the glory of heaven to come down to earth. And while Jesus ministered to the masses. He was training 12. And we are here today because of the faithfulness of those 12. And then you think if those 12 could have that much of an impact, just think of what can do God can do with this group gathered here today. If we get the vision, if we get led by the Holy Spirit, functioning in the power of the Holy Spirit, to go out to make disciples, what kind of impact can we have for the glory of God and for His kingdom? But we have to decide, are we church members or are we disciples? And so today... I'm asking you a pretty pointed question. Are you a disciple or are you a church member? And yes, you can be both, but there are so many people here in the United States who are church members with no idea regarding the calling to be a disciple, nor what it means to be a modern day disciple of Jesus. We are challenged in our North American churches today by what is called consumerism Christianity. Which often leads churches to do attractional ministry. I love the author and pastor Erwin McManus. And one day he walked out in his church and he saw a man that he didn't recognize walking along with a clipboard. And he went up to the man and said, hey, I'm Pastor Eric McManus. I'm a pastor here. Have I met you for He goes, no, this is my first Sunday here. He said, dude, what's up with the clipboard? And he said, well, I'm going around churches and I've got the, the needs of my family and seeing if you have the programming that will meet the needs of my family. Erin McManus looked at him and said, sir, I really don't think this is going to be your church. <laughs> and so a whole lot, you know. I'm going to get in a little bit, we're on church row here, you know, I always get a kick that even in Costa Rica one time, the Baptist churches are up the hill and the Methodist churches are down the hill, and I mean, why is that? I don't get that, but, but like, it seems like it's a common thing, okay? And so we're here on church row, you know, and, and, and so like, attractional ministry, and, and you know, I can't, yeah, okay, help me Jesus, uh, and so, so, uh, so, so, but the deal is like, how are we ministering? And, and I want to tell you that there's, no, there's nothing necessarily wrong with programming. And man, the music was incredible, David. That was awesome. God was present so, so much. And, 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 you know, it, but yeah, I'll come back to that in a minute, all right? <laughs> our method, what is our method for discipleship? And then our motivation, and this is pretty big. Because even more important than our method is our motivation. Why be disciples who help make disciples? Right here, I want to say that too many churches are are so concerned about their growth, about their attendance, about meeting or increasing their budget, and, and this becomes their motivation for ministry, for outreach. Their motivation for outreach and for ministry, even for discipleship, is to grow the church. That sounds good, doesn't it? Let me tell you what, the hurting world out there doesn't give a rip whether your church grows or not. And they're not going to show up at this church so this church can grow. And you know, a church will get a method and they'll get a motivation to, to make disciples and to read the hurting world. And a church will start growing. And then all of a sudden all churches start flocking to that church. Man, what are you doing to grow? How's that going? We want that method. We want, we want that. And they bring the method, but they don't have the motivation. And then the method doesn't work. And they're like, dude, it worked there. Why is it not working here? And it's for the motivation. The person that originated, the church that originated that method, their motivation was to reach the lost and to save the hurting. And people know if you care, if you don't. And if you're just looking for another number, another tither, another giver, or somebody to sit so more people to count, they don't give a rip about that. And if that's why you're doing it, it's going to show. Why be disciples who help make disciples? The best motivations for making disciples are obedience to God and fulfilling the Great Commission. God honors obedience. And, and, and a great reason is just to be obedient. But I'll tell you even more, in that, in that, because it's in that, it's God's motivation, is a compassion for lost and hurting people. I love in Matthew 9, it speaks of Jesus as, as he, it says that when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into heaven. Any of y'all ever watch the people at Walmart videos? And And like you'll admit it. And and, and you know, yeah, like it, 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 you know. But let me ask you: What eyes do we watch it with? Do we watch it with our eyes that that's really funny, and look at that? Or man, when we put on the eyes of Jesus, and we walk to the mall or we walk to Walmart, and all of a sudden we see the lost, hurting people. I remember being at Walmart, and man, I go to Walmart as seldom as, seldom as possible, so I hate to use the example. Like, if I could avoid Walmart, it's a good day, it's a good week, it's a good month, and I'm sorry, is this how it is? Uh, all right. Help him, Jesus. Uh, but I remember being in there one day, and, and I have a heart for the next generation and young people, and there's a young woman that was as skinny as that microphone stand walking next to her mom, and and you just knew there was dysfunction and you just want to ask the mom you are paying attention right that is being dealt with right it's being dealt with right because because every part of it just reeked of hurt and what was going on in that young woman's life and and that was a good day you know other days I don't have those eyes but I always thank God when I do and I want to cultivate that in my life of having those eyes as I see people because people are lost they're hurting and broken. Because they are lost and they're hurting and broken, people need Jesus. And because we live in such a lost and broken world, people may want to come to church for a good program, good facilities for their children and the youth. Hey, where's Nick? Where is he hiding? Did he leave for church? He didn't, he's still here, right? He's here somewhere. All right. Uh, I'm going to tell Nick... Yeah, there he is. See, I caught you, man. Are there snacks or something back there? Uh, All right. I just got to tell you, bro, I really like y'all's digs up there, and it's way different from the Yo House. All right? I just got to tell you, it's way different than the Yo House. Yo House had a pool table. Story, help him, Jesus. And and as the weather shifted, the floor shifted. And so the role on the pool table would change. And as a youth pastor, you'd learn the role. I was the king of pool during that time. It was awesome. Justin Tribe, he couldn't make it because I just knew the role, man. We made up some other games for the pool table that were pretty fun, too. All right. Uh, okay, let me find my notes. It doesn't say your house anywhere on here. Okay, good facilities. And, and and you know people do sometimes when they go looking for a church they look for good facilities and there's nothing wrong with having good facilities okay but but then also because people are lost and broken people want to come to church for good social network sometimes even business connections which the church provides and 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 going to church for the social connection sure beats going to a bar okay but sometimes people will show up for good social network and and they showing up. People may come to church because they desire good music for worship like we just experienced. Or, or they may want, uh, I, I just, I've got a little spiel about what people say to the pastor like after the sermon. And, and I won't freak you out because then you won't know what to say. Because uh, you, you'll be trying to figure out what are we supposed to say. So don't worry about it. Except that one of the one ones that's really crazy, I enjoyed the sermon, Pastor. and I'm like, okay, is that, that's good. Is that what we're supposed to do that you enjoy it? You know, I can dance, I can do some other stuff. I mean, you know, you can enjoy that. No, you wouldn't enjoy that, so never mind. Uh, but, but, you know, like, like, like you know, enjoy the sermon. You know, like, you know, want a good message, let it be enjoyable. You know, and people will show up to church because they want a good, enjoyable, feel-good message. But what people need is Jesus. And, and the question for us, in the midst of whatever else we're doing, are we making sure that we're making disciples? Are we making sure that we're offering people, leading people to Jesus? I just always worried if I step on this, like, this is where you go, like, when you preach too long, and then they're like, like... <laughs> so, because I want... Come over to this side, because I, I, don't, I don't want y'all to... I don't want y'all to feel left out over here, but I was a little worried about that thing there. And, and when I get closer to time, I'm going to go behind, not over that thing. I'm sorry. The Lord, be with him. The Lord be with him. Help him, Jesus. All right. Okay. Okay. Now, then, we're going to, we've, we've gone through strategy, we've talked about method, we've talked about motivation, but now I'm going to talk about context a little bit, okay? Because as we seek to connect with people, to be disciples who help make disciples, it's also important for us to understand our context, all right? First, United Methodist Church, Carrollton. I I don't know if you know, but you're in North Dallas, right? Okay, sometimes you get on the GPS thing and you just don't even know where you're at. You just happen to be there because you follow the directions that little lady tells you and you go. Uh, Also, as I said, we're on church row, okay? We're also in North Dallas, okay? And it's wealthy and affluent, and, and, and one of the things, maybe you say, well, not me. Well, let me tell you what, if you're here today sitting in this room, the odds are that you're in the top 3% in the world, the top 3% in the world of income and finances. And so, you know, if we walk around with the poor me deal, because every one of us finances is its own deal, we are not, no one of us would say I'm rolling in the dough, but at the very same time, we have to realize that we're in the top 3% of the world, and if we're sitting here whining about, you know, our finances, let, let's go to Uganda or Ethiopia, or where was that song from? from Nigeria. Nigeria. Uh, when I was on staff here at, Car- at Carrollton, uh, I went to Nigeria, and, and dude, okay? And, and so we have to acknowledge, uh, when I was uh, here on staff one summer, uh, Brittany Edwards was going to go to the Appalachian Mountains for the summer on a mission trip. And Tommy Walsh was going to go to Vail, Colorado on a mission trip. You look at Tommy like, dude, how'd you get this gig? You know, I mean, wow. Okay, and it was a mission trip. But as we're getting ready to pray for them and send them off, the Lord told him to tell Brittany, Brittany, you're going to meet some of the wealthiest people spiritually in our country. Because basically all they got is Jesus. And I looked at Tommy, and I said, you are going to meet some of the most spiritually poor people in our country who have just about anything their heart might desire. The second highest group rate for suicide is wealthy. Because they think that's going to be the answer, and they get there, and they're empty. And that's all around us. I left a couple of more other blanks, I think, on the thing that if you wanted to think about what is our context, that, that God would speak to you about our context here uh, at First United Methodist Church, Carrollton, what about our context? I, I want to take you a little bit for a minute uh, on a journey, uh, and, and let me tell you for just a minute, uh, I told you I went to Summerfield for two years, that was its own story. Then I, went, I got asked to go be on staff at, at Crossroads community church not a Methodist church I left the Methodist church so God forgive me I'm sorry but uh I'm back so okay uh the the Methodist church still doesn't know what to think about that but you know uh they they found a church that was about to die and they sent me over there and said see what you can do so that's where I'm at and uh but when I was at Crossroads it was a church on about 27 acres it had a pond in the back with a cross we had a, a a coffee shop that was really awesome that, that, that ministered into the community. You know, some days the barista would be there, and you'd get to go through, hey, make me a latte, you know, and I'd see if he made you pay or not. And then, uh, you know, I uh, had a back porch. It was just beautiful with a fire pit, you know, that you didn't use in July and August, but but you know, in other months you might. And, and uh, just this an incredible setting. We had a bunch of screens like up here, you know, and cameras that would film everything. And I was there for... Uh, just over nine years. Seems to be a theme. And then uh, God called me to move over to the south side of Longview. uh, And I'm still looking for our coffee shop in the barista. I hadn't found it yet. Uh, But when I went there, it's a church that has 47 rooms that had 70 people in attendance. Made it great for breaking up in small groups. Uh, (laughs) Laughter but, but trying to keep everything paid for with 70 people in 47 rooms. But I want to, I want to show you some, some pictures of the church where I'm serving. Uh, this is the sanctuary of the church. It's Wesley McCabe United Methodist Church. Uh, in 1999, they combined a, a black church and a white church. And still, it's a multiracial congregation. This picture was actually taken uh, in like the 19 around 1970. Uh, and it looks exactly like that still today. And I'm not kidding. It does have a screen over to one side. I was baptized in this church. And so it's really awesome for me that God would open the opportunity for me to go back there in ministry. This is what it looks like from a uh, street side. I hope you can see that. Okay. I don't know if you can see, but like, it's like a fortress. Okay. Uh, how to get in it's a question. Uh, uh, and a beautiful church. You can maybe take, see that this was taken out of the window of a car. And I did that on purpose. Because now in the car, we're going to back up just a little bit. So you still see the church there? But this is the lot and the whatever it is structure that's across the street from the church. So now we back up a little bit more. And, and this, is, this is that lot. <laughs> this is that lot that... that she thinks she's going to get five bucks, but I don't know if that counts if you leave the service and come back. Uh, I, think you, I think you just lost it. Okay, we'll see. We'll negotiate. We'll get back. If you remember the points, you better remember the points of the message if you want that five bucks. All right. Uh, this is backing up a little bit more. This is that lot across the street. This is the house right across the street. Uh, one of the first times I went to the church, there was a guy sitting in that chair with a tall boy, Okay. And, and and so after a little bit he's sitting there, I go over and I say, Hey, my name's Bud Miller. <laughs> he liked me right from the start. <laughs> and that's Jimmy and his wife Olivia. But but when the winter came, they haven't lived there as much in the winter because it, it doesn't really have heat. And it, it leaks profusely with all of the rain and everything. Uh, and that's just right across the street. The next slide. This is, this is four houses down from the church. And this is a drug house. Okay. This is a place where they make meth. All right. And, and so the vast majority of the month, there'll just be two or three cars coming or going. But if, but if you learn about the drug culture, they move the houses where they make the drugs. They move those houses around. Regularly, They'll probably have in a month six houses. So this house only comes alive with drugs two or three days a month. But in those days when it's alive with drugs, there'll be 20 to 40 cars come through there in a day. And people walking up all day long and just cars coming and going. Okay. Uh, also at the church, we'll be in the office. And, and it's not this happened several times that you'll hear a gunshot within 50 yards of the window you're standing by. And, you know, the first time it happens, you're like, should we duck? Should we hide? You know, like, I mean, what do we do? Uh, well, it was a gunshot. Yeah, it was a gunshot. And then you're like, now, just boom, you know, oh, gunshot. You know, just keep going, you know, all right? Uh, and so that's four houses down from our church. This is, now, the next slide. This is a house of a gang. It's called the TYB gang. They've made headlines recently. There's a bunch of houses burning down. They think this gang may be associated with that. The first homicide of 2016 was... Uh, involved with this gang. Uh, I had to take this at eight in the morning when, when there's nobody up, because as the morning goes along, more and more people are coming, and it's just really scary. Debbie tries to challenge me to drive another way. Uh, when I first saw the house, there'll be like seven little kids running around in diapers, okay? And I was thinking, oh, we could buy diapers, you know? i like, like, now I'm scared to drive by, kind of, uh, because I, uh, I think I left out a slide because it's hard to explain, but there's a ditch over to the left over here. Uh, there's a ditch that has all the bicycles of the little kids in the ditch, you know, covered. And you're like, wow. But, but uh, I ate lunch with a guy, this, no dinner, with a guy this week who stepson had been in that gang. Uh, and uh, his stepson is 18 years old. And he's been a part of this gang. And he has three kids. Uh, and he's in jail right now. Uh, and and uh, that's our context, okay? See what the next slide is, just so I know. All right, yeah, all right. Uh, that's our context, okay? And uh, that's where, at this moment, where God has called me to go and to be. And, and Debbie prays a lot. Uh, I pray a lot. Uh, and, and we're just looking forward to seeing what, what God is going to do. Uh, when we went, we had 70 people. Uh, right now, we're averaging 92. And what was really awesome is one of the Sundays recent, we had like 100, and there were 27 youth and children that were at the church. So, so that was pretty awesome. I, if you don't know, I have an incredible heart for the next generation still, uh, even in my older days. There's some good verses that say, even in my old age, I'm going to declare, you know, The glory of God to the next generation and that still resonates in my heart till I die and then it resonates on my heart that I want to live a life that shows an engagement as a disciple of Jesus and what it looks like to be a modern day disciple who follows Jesus because let me tell you what what our youth and children get tired of is church and, and pretty much they get tired of it. I don't care how good the program is, how good the music is, you know, how good all that. But if it's just church, ultimately, they'll go find something else to do, okay? I told you about going to Crossroads, but one of the reasons why I went is because when I went, there were 200 people attending there, and two-thirds of them were 30 and younger. And that is... If you don't know, that's the generation our churches are struggling to reach. And so it was awesome to go there and watch it grow about 10% every year up to 300. Then it was strange when God called us away and there's still days I ask God, okay, what's that about? But I, I know that just God calls us and we follow and we do that. And that's what disciples of Jesus do. And there's times like when he calls us to Carrollton and it's like, glory to God, awesome, you know. And, and you're sitting in worship and, and thinking if I'm going to go here and the Lord says, you know, you brought me to your banqueting table. I remember being in party time when we were interviewing to, for the job. And I look at Diane Miller over there because Debbie and I stayed one night in their house. And we have three boys. They had four girls. And we sat there at that breakfast table watching the girls going to school. And so when they were all gone, Debbie looked at me and said, what do you think? And I'm like, man, way too much fluff and hormones for me. (Laughter) They have awesome girls, and I've just been blessed to share the, the the journey with them, and just great great times in the Lord. But 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 and but God called us to come to Carrollton, and man, how incredible was that? How awesome was that? You know. Uh, but it's that same God that calls us there that calls us to go to Wesley McCabe. And our deal is to know what He's calling us to do and to follow Him. Let me tell you what we're going to move into a time right here uh, where we. I just want to minister. I pray that in this time to minister God, God's word, okay? Uh, hey, go to the next slide just to set me up for the next slide. Uh, I, I pray that in this time at some level have ministered God's word, okay? But, but another thing, just want to take a moment today to minister God's presence, just a minute, okay? For us to come into God's presence to let him speak what he would speak to your heart and to your life. I don't know your particular situation. I don't know what's going on in your life. But what's awesome is God does. Jesus does. And one of the ways that He calls us to follow Him is He shows us that He cares. He shows us that He's real. And as we step into that and we learn that He cares and that He's real, it motivates us. It compels us to go out and to say, come and see this Jesus that I know. Come and experience this Jesus that I know. Come experience this Jesus that you need, that I need. So today, what is the context of your heart and your life. We've talked about the context of First United Methodist Church Carrollton and its context, and and it's so important to minister the gospel into that context. I've showed you the context of Wesley McCabe through some pictures, but it doesn't even begin to come close because it doesn't show you the people and their hearts and what God's doing, you know, at that level and how cool that is. So, what is the context of your heart today? What is the context of your life in relation to the gospel of Jesus and to be a modern day disciples? We can drift over into that pool pull, pull to just be church members and check the box. And man, church was good. I enjoyed it, preacher. I enjoyed it. Church was good. Man, wasn't that worship good? Didn't Man, the presence of God, isn't it good? Yes. But did you meet Jesus? Did you meet Jesus? Did you hear what Jesus wanted to say to your heart today? Did you let Jesus come and just help you know the answers? So for just a few mi- minutes, we're just going to play. And you can minister where you're at. Like, you let, like, meet Jesus. Or you can come up to the front. I encourage you. One of the things I so remember about my time here was morning worship times at the altar. And then party time times at the altar shaped my life in the times of praying with and for different situations. So Lord, right now, Lord, we come before you. Lord, I pray for the ministry of your word, that there is a word of truth. But Lord, the altars are open right now. You don't have to wait. The altars are open. Lord, while we hear the truth of your word, it makes us hunger for more of you, for more of your presence, God. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know the hurts. You know the situations of our lives. And a part of how you want to send us out is you want to send us out having been ministered to, having encountered you, such an awesome God.